Years ago, um, well, not too many years ago, but a few years ago, Debbie Stafford, whom we support along with her husband Ron, as missionaries in Colombia, South America, said, now, when you're looking for someone as a potential spouse, are you looking for someone who is right for you or someone who is right for the church? And I said, well, for me, of course, but if they're not right, if she's not right for the church, she wouldn't be right for me. I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. And when the Lord brought Allison into my life, man, she's not even here. I'm not getting points for this. This is bad. I want you to all tell her, though, say, oh, you cannot believe. Well, there she is. When the Lord brought Allison into my life, <laughs> he has now brought her back into the sanctuary. <laughs> um, it, it was just amazing how good of a fit she was for Grace Community Church. And people would ask me after she'd been here two or three times, how does she fit in at the church? I say, they line up. Not just to hear her voice, but for ministry. They line up for her to minister to them. Well, she was, and, and every, all of her friends told me, she was, I always thought she would be a perfect pastor's wife. Well, she was prepared for these days, almost 30 years ago, when she went to her training at YWAM in Tyler, Texas. And we heard from Jesse, this morning. Look, there's for, for a little more context. Twyla Paris's parents were very connected with YWAM. In addition, Neil and Myra uh, Manning are ministering in YWAM. Much like Jesse is going to be suffering in that awful, God-forsaken place we saw on the screen. Neil and Myra are on the Big Island of Hawaii, uh, but. Allison went to Tyler, Texas, so nothing exciting about that. And then she ended up in India for two years where she served the Lord uh, extremely well. So as Jesse goes, we need to be praying that God is preparing her for whatever the next phase. She has ministered extremely well at Grace Community Church. Sacrifice given a great deal. So Jesse, uh, our hearts go with you. And let me also just speak to what else we heard about this morning Hearing a lot this morning, but what Sean was saying on the, on the screen a while ago is so important. If you can at all be here Saturday morning, do so. If you've got one of those slips that you didn't check off, uh, fill out, please do that and give it, just leave it on this um, the little island out here, information area, or, or take it to the information desk so that we get it. Well, our, our, our focus this morning is on each other. We need each other. How does that hit you? I mean, really. Deep down, how does it hit you that we need each other? Some of you would say, oh, yeah, no, no question about it. My, my church family is very important to me. I need other people in my life. I'm happy to be a help to others, but I need other people. Others of you probably say, um, not really. I mean, isn't Jesus enough? Isn't the Lord enough? If I've got God and the Holy Spirit's living in me, is it? I mean, it should be enough, right? This very issue, we need each other, is being discussed uh, at great lengths over these two weeks with regard to business and politics. 
I mean, the Democrats say, if you have a successful business, then you didn't build it. Others helped you, especially the government. That's not exactly what they said, but look, you say anything in politics and it's going to be taken and, 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 and run a hundred miles in the opposite direction and used against you. Republicans, on the other hand, say, uh-uh, nobody helped me build this business. I did it myself, and especially the government didn't help me. What a shame it is that there's no place in the middle for us to talk. There is, just isn't. We're, we're so polarized, and I get it. I mean, we have wildly different values and a lot of people are in the middle saying well i'll take this from here and i'll take this from here and 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 the parties are saying as hard as they can no you can't do that it doesn't work that way you're either this way or that way well who's telling the truth about how much we need each other neither and both at the same time our text this morning, Galatians 6, 1 to 5, we're going to discover that God has a design for the church that is far better than any government, any organization, any, anything for the church in the ways that we are designed to help one another. And it brings balance to the question of responsibility and dependence and self-sufficiency. As is always the case, the principles that God lays out in His Word for his children, for his family, for his chosen people, for his covenant people. The principle that he lays out are best, are the best ways to live no matter whether you know the Lord or not. I mean, it's far better if you're a Christian, but whether you are or not, if you follow the principles of Scripture. And there are so many, when you go through the Proverbs, you know it says, <clears throat> in one verse it says, and I'm remembering this from the King James, it says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And then in the very next verse it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. The point is, there's a time for this and there's a time for that. And when you live according to the principles, the principle that says there is one who gives liberally and has much, and there is one who is stingy and has little, when you give, when you're a giving person, it comes back to you. It just does. It's a principle. It's a biblical principle. It's the way God designed the universe. But what a shame to give and give and give and not know Jesus and find out that all your giving was not only to know, uh, avail to you in your eternal destiny, but it was really selfishly motivated without God working through you. So the text this morning is going to say, this is the perfect design, and it works in the church. This is where I've designed this principle to be lived out, our helping one another, the ways that we need one another. Our text today is Galatians 6, 1 to 5. And there are a few instructions in this passage that may seem confusing to you at first glance, but... I trust they'll make sense as we go through the text. So would you please stand as we read Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. He, the whole Galatians, he's been talking against the law, trying to keep the law. But he's saying, look, the moral law was never never intended to be done away with. It's just that the law is deeper. It's that the spirit of the law, and, and when the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you have potential. I'm saying that now because it's not coming up in a few minutes. So the law of Christ is far greater than the law of Moses. And it's only lived out, it's only accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we fulfill the law of Christ when we bear one another's burdens. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Once again, it, it's, it almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? We'll make sense of it in a, in a moment. Let's, let's ask God to open our hearts and minds and our eyes to this text. Father, we do pray that you would not only help us to understand the meaning of what is being said here, but that you would give us ready and willing hearts to receive it and obey it, apply it, and live according to the design that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. Here's, here's the plan for this morning. I, I'm going to briefly explain the truth in this text. It's not, not as clear in the English as it is in the Greek. I don't like to say that because I don't want to ever make you think, oh, I really can't understand the Bible if I don't get the Greek. But clearly, you know, one verse says, live... Uh, help each other and bear a load and the next one says you, everybody's got to bear his own load it's more cl- it's clearer in the greek than it is in the english so try to clear that up and then we're going to have a real life application of this uh, 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 of the truth in this verse as jack lucas one of our inactive elders is going to uh, share how he learned of his need for others and the benefit of sharing uh, allowing others to share his burden and how they helped him turn his eyes back to Jesus at a very difficult time in his life. Paul begins by saying when someone falls into sin, something needs to be done about it. Look, what is the, what is the, the, the one thing that we want to do when a good friend of ours starts going off, off, the, off the rails? We just want to say, oh, this is not happening, this is not happening, I'm just, uh, you know, just leave it alone, it'll be okay, I'm not going to deal with this, surely it'll, something needs to be done when one of us falls into sin. While we could certainly talk about the, 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 the command for church discipline that is inherent in this verse, the emphasis is on restoration. When someone yields to the flesh, to the works of the Spirit that we read about a couple of weeks ago, then those who are blessed with the fruit of the Spirit, those who are spiritual among you, those who are loving and joyful and patient and kind and and long-suffering and and disciplined, those of you who are spiritual, restore such a one gently. Come alongside the wayward brother or sister. And gently restore. It's a, it's a dangerous thing to be called to restore someone who has sinned, to confront someone who has sinned. It's dangerous because while our, our lips are quick to say, there, but by the grace of God, there go I. 
And our hearts are rising up within us and saying, Lord, I thank Thee that I am not like this sinner that Thou hast called me to restore, to bring back to the fold, to get back on the path. That's what we're thinking. I mean, we're saying one thing. and, and Well, really, we're saying both things in our heart, aren't we? It's that flesh and spirit that's... And so... He says, you who are spiritual, restore that one, but be careful as you restore, lest you also be tempted. So when when a brother or sister sins, we have to call them back, but we need to be praying every step of the way, Lord, deliver me from temptation. And you know what? When we stray, we need somebody to call us back. Now, we tend to call back like we... You know, we treat others like we want to be treated ourselves. And some of you just don't mind a sharp rebuke. And some of you will just, you know, go all to pieces with a sharp. You need to be careful how you restore people. But whether you like it or not, when you start going astray, you need somebody to come alongside of you and say, hey, let me help you back. In verse 2, Paul immediately says that we need to share one another's burdens. But we've already read in verse 5 that we're to carry our own load. You may remember what we learned about this a while back when we looked at this passage. The the burden of of, of verse 2 is kind of like this sofa. Now, this sofa is not a really super-duper heavy sofa. Let's pretend like it is. I mean, you know, I can pick it up fairly easily, but am I going to get this? I can pick one side of it up. Am I going to get this back to the office by myself? Well, yes, but only, you know, if I, if I, if I do that number. I mean, it, deacons, I'm sorry about the carpet up here. Um, and so this is the kind of burden that I need some help with. Now, very, very, David and I very easily brought this up here the other day. But it's difficult for one person. This is what he's talking about in, in verse 2. We need to bear one another's burdens. And sometimes somebody has a heavy load. Clearly, this is not talking about a physical load that we have to lift. It, it could be talking about a, a serious chronic illness. Be talking about a financial crisis because of a loss of a job. It could be talking about depression. It could be talking about a ministry burden. Somebody's got a a heavy ministry burden, and we're called to share. Now, the the load of verse five is this load. It's it's a backpack. It's a knapsack, you know, and. Look, if you're going walking on the Appalachian Trail, uh, you're going uh, camping or something, you, everybody picks up his or, his or her own load. I know some of you men will have your wives carry the load for you, but, but that's beside the point. That's, we, what Paul is talking about is something way more, though, than a walk in the woods. He's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about a soldier's backpack. And he says, you know what? When you go into war, everybody's got, a, everybody's got a load to take. And you put that load on, and you get in line, and you go. So I wonder. And, and what happens if somebody puts a load down? And, and what he's got in his backpack is vital to, to his survival, or it's, it's vital to the group's survival, the nation, to what the, the, the group that's at war. Somebody's got to pick it up, right? 
And you may say, well, you know what, I, I'm carrying my backpack, but that may be true, um, but it could be maybe that you're carrying your backpack, you know, but you've, you've put something off to the side. And again, if this is vital, somebody's got to pick that up. That's what he's talking about in this passage. There are times when God gives us this, and you know what we need to do? We need to all jump around. We need to jump in here, and everybody take a load, whatever you need to do, and help somebody. <clears throat> when Linda was sick, you guys were amazing. I've seen that with other people. I, I know the Moody's would tell you, you are amazing. The Fennerty's would tell you, you're amazing. When we are called to bear a heavy load... But has everybody got a knapsack? Has everybody got a backpack? Because it, it, it takes whatever, whatever you're not carrying is required for us to be the, the, the body that God has designed us to be. Um, most churches have a small number of people doing the bulk of the work. I, I'm going to say that that is, that is completely not the case here. We have a very high percentage of people working. Man, when we, we start looking at the list of the people who are serving, you're, many of you are serving in one way or another. And there are lots of different ways to serve. And I can assure you that a lot of people that you don't know are serving us are serving us in ways that you wouldn't think. You know, I would like to say there is someone, though, who has this kind of ministry burden. It needs help. It's Keisha Colbreth. And you know what? You know what Keisha does? She says, I, I can handle this. I can handle it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And she starts dragging the sofa around. And, and, and people see and say, you know, probably I ought to, ought to go over there. But uh, I'm distracted. I've got something over here. Now, if she'd known I was going to say this this morning, just like Allison a couple of weeks ago, she would have stopped me. And in fact, whenever, boy, when I bragged on Allison that week, the next week was miserably, miserably difficult for her. So I'm sorry, Keisha, she's not in here. Maybe she doesn't hear it. She, you know, it doesn't count. Do you know what? We need to help Keisha. And what's happening is this, is that lots of us, it's kind of, a mixed metaphor now, I'm mixing the analogies or I'm, I'm mixing the truth, but it's kind of like some of us are saying, you know, I just need a little break. I just need a little break. And I get that. I get it. And, and, and some of you are serving in the nursery, and so consequently you're not serving in children's ministry. We need people to come alongside Keisha. So I'm telling you, you can only drag this thing around so long. It's just the way it is. And some of you are doing your absolute best, but this sofa is much heavier than the sofa she's carrying. The load she's carrying is much heavier than this. And two or three of you have your shoulders underneath, and, and, and a lot of you are serving in wonderful ways. But that burden is great. So let's pray about it. Let's see how God would enable us to help Keisha. And, and of course she's not here because she's back there. Of course. It's just the way it is. So pray about it. Say, how can I do? We need each other.
There are times that we need to carry a little extra and there are times when we need to let others help carry our heavy burden. For a lot of us, allowing others to help us is much more difficult than carrying extra. Just is. Uh, we, we may look to verse 4 and justify such a self-sufficient attitude too, but, but verse 4 is connected with the whole. And, and verse 3 is essentially telling us to get over ourselves. We need each other. Basically what those verses are saying just simply is that we're not to think, not to have a superior attitude uh, toward others, you know, look down on others, nor are we to have this little inferior attitude, you know, where we're, well, I just, you know, I'll just do what I can, but I'm not much in the kingdom. Yes, you are, every single one of you. If everybody is carrying his load and, and we're able to step over and bear the heavy burden of someone else, not just ministry burden, but burden that burdens that come from any number of reasons. And sometimes, you know, when people walk in, a, in, in depression, those who have never, ever had to struggle with that can, can feel so superior and like, what is wrong with you? And look, again, there by the grace of God, we all need each other in one way or another. And God's designed this beautiful, this sounds like a, you know, kind of, I don't mean to sound like I'm coming hard out. It's really what it is. is it's, 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 it's great design. Let's just say, yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm part, I am in. You don't have to be extreme one way or the other like, like our politics are in this country. We are called to come together and to help one another. Well, we're going to hear uh, from someone who learned much about this challenge uh, these past few years. Jack Lucas is going to come and share how the body came alongside of him and pointed him back to where his focus needed to be on the Lord. Why he got there and how he got to the place he is now. Thank you. Uh, for God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and and uh, I'm got messed up already. <laughs> for God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, bear with each other. No, I'm going to read it. Forgive me. And then I'm going to shoot for the hip from the hip, and that's going to really drive. Brad nuts, but I figure that it took me so long to get up here this time, and at my age, I probably won't get up here again. So this could be interesting. I see Brad's getting nervous already. But you are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him and call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had mercy, once you did not have mercy, but now you do have mercy. I'm going to jump back from that for a minute, but those verses begin to turn me around. And the amazing thing about God's word to me, and I don't have much time, and I can ramble on and ramble on, so 
I've got to move fast. If you'll listen fast, I'll try and get through this quicker. But, but uh, how God uses his word. I don't care where you are in God's word, what your problem is. If you keep praying and trusting in the Lord, he's going to touch you. I would have never picked the verses in First uh, Peter chapter 2, which mainly I want to mention and not, not very much in depth. But yet he used those. He used a verse like this to make me realize that I needed to be reading his word on a more personal level. That's no uh, nothing new to any of us. And we've heard that preached in the past, but sometimes we just start reading it like a book. And I needed to read it like, hey, Jack, it's written to you that, Jack, you're a chosen person. We're all peace belonging to a holy nation of Christians. And when I do that, it seems like the Holy Spirit moves a little deeper. Praying through his word is more real. And so I I advise you to do that. Take a bookmark if you have to, and write on that bookmark, whatever your name is, dear Jim or dear Bill or Bob or whoever, and every time you open your book to read, open the Bible to read, you see that. Because it's more than just written to five different areas in Asia and all Christians, which originally this was, but it's written to each one of us on a personal level. And, and uh, I just felt I needed to say that up front. Uh, I'm going to back up for a minute. And, and by the way, I, I believe everything in this is my good friend uh, Jim McLaughlin says from Genesis to Matt's. I believe this book. I trust in it. And I was believing in it and trusting it when I was praying, but I was still struggling. Uh, two years ago, my, uh, my world fell apart physically, uh, emotionally. Uh, I never thought that I was one that could be touched emotional, but uh, I was too strong. Gee, as Brad said, I used to be an elder in this church. I'm not going to admit to you when I'm hurting real down deep inside, especially emotionally, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be helping people. I've been a Christian quite a while and know his word and trust in him. I can't let my guard down. We don't need to be that way because we can't help with people, each other's burdens if we're not open with one another. And that's what's good about our groups because you can't do it on Sunday morning here with each other. And it's not the place. But in our groups and we get to know each other, we feel comfortable. But even I didn't open up as much as I should with our group. And during the time I was going through different things. And, uh, and eventually I did, but it took a long time. And I, when I think us men have more problems with that than, than probably some of the women do. But uh, I, I, I found out I had three uh, blood clots in the main artery of my uh, left leg. is why my leg was bothering me. And that would have to be replaced by taking a vein from my right leg. And uh, that was done. I had surgery, and the surgery was successful. And in uh, the next two years of my life were the most difficult I ever went through. It was a six-hour surgery and 220 stitches. I should say staples later. I was in recovery, but it got downhill from there. The surgery was successful, and all that went well, but my my healing and my doing. I'm always the kind of guy who played a lot of sports, and if you told me I was going to be hurt, I'm out for two or three weeks, I'm going to be back in a week and a half. 
Well, I couldn't do it. Not this time. And it got to me emotionally. Um, I also found out through uh, further testing that uh, I took a hit in my heart at some point in time, and so I had some damage in the lower part of my heart. And uh, that really bothered me some, probably more than I shared. So my burdens weren't like this, they were like this. And I can carry this and put it at the foot of cross, but I can't carry this and put it at the foot of cross, especially today because I can't lift much anymore. But with two or three others, I could do it, as Brad was saying. Uh, so I'll, I'll fast forward about eight months or so, and I, um, I had become angry. I had become uh, irritable. Um, Sue was putting up with a guy that was grouchy and became a grouchy old man, and Instead of that loving, caring, compassionate guy that she married, well, you can talk about that later with Sue, but, <laughs> but uh, and it was difficult. And, and I uh, went to bed that evening, I was going to start reading First Peter, but instead I went back and reviewed uh, Philippians and uh, some of the things I had outlined over the years. But in the last chapter... And most, a lot of people here probably know that verse. But uh, in, the, in the last chapter, uh, I'll just paraphrase in a short phrase, uh, term, but Paul is saying, I've learned to be content with what I have and with everything that happens. Well, with everything that happens, hit home to me. Because I sure wasn't being content in the way I was handling things and Happened. And before my surgery, I would have thought I was doing well. I can handle these things, and I think I probably could say this. Maybe not at the degree Paul did, but I felt that's where I, I was. And I sure found out I wasn't. And I went to bed, uh, or I was uh, sitting in the living room uh, the day before I read this, and I said to Suzanne, I think growing old is more of a curse than it is a blessing. And I meant it. That doesn't sound like someone that's praying and trusting in the Lord and has a lot of faith. But I'm just being open and honest with you. I meant that. And I felt bad about it later, but I, uh, like I said, I went and I was going through Philippians and I read that and I was praying through that. And when I was praying through that verse that being content with everything that happens, I, I said to the Lord, take control of my situation and, and please... Uh, Help me get my uh, mind off of myself and having my pity parties. And I was having some pretty woe, good woe-is-me parties and rather enjoying them. And I had a right to be angry because of what I was dealing with. But uh, I did pray and ask. And I got up the next morning and asked Sue to forgive me. And, and uh, she doesn't remember that, but I did. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why, how you women can quote something that us men have said to you three years ago, and yet two weeks after we apologize, you can't remember it. I don't understand that. But anyway, now I'm going to really get lost. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I begin to pray and I begin to think about those things. And uh, again, like I said, I apologize to her. And I'm not going to stand there and tell you I didn't have another pity party and I wasn't grouchy or angry or, or irritable because I was and I did. But uh, 
the Lord did begin working on me. And about a month or so after that, best I can judge, and this is like nine months after my surgery, uh, Bill Frederick and I used to talk a lot about sports and stuff, and he liked me a little bit because I was born in Pennsylvania. Even though I moved when I was a young boy, he said it doesn't count, but he still he, he had a little bit. And he said, you know what, you ought to go to the Campbell game, baseball games with me because uh, I go to all their home games. And I said, Bill, you know what? I said, I'm, well, I can't get comfortable sitting at home. I have to stretch out my legs and, and I, I have to get up and move around every so often and then I can't be on my legs too long. And uh, I was dealing with all these things. My system was all messed up. I lost 20 pounds the first three months. Uh, I couldn't eat. The trauma from the surgery, the, the, the narcotic medications they gave me intravenously for pain, my new medicines I had to go on, including uh, cumin and the pain thinner, uh, they were all bothering me. I mean, I couldn't. I lived on soft-boiled eggs and post-eggs for three months, I think. Sue got tired of making them. Uh, but any, anyway, that, that's where I was at, and I... Uh, I said to Bill, gee, I'd love to go to games. And he said, listen, I sit down front, and I can stretch out my legs, and, and uh, you can get up and walk around. Some people stand and watch the game in between the stands and, and all that. So I went with him. And I went with, with him to the rest of, the rest of the games that year. And you know what? When I was at the games, I didn't think about Jack. And I didn't worry about my problems. Oh, I couldn't get very comfortable, but I really enjoyed the games, and we... Kind of had fun together and enjoyed each other. I had fun. I don't know if Bill did. He was dealing with a grumpy old man yet. But, but anyway, we had a good time. In fact, uh, we went to the basketball games that year and baseball games again this year. And, you know, I missed it. I really missed it. Because six months later, I realized that I had prayed to the Lord to help me get my mind off something. And uh, he was working. And it was a double bonus because not only was uh, did Bill and I enjoy getting together and going to the games, it was a fun thing. So that was a double bonus. I didn't expect the Lord to answer it that way. I didn't even realize he didn't, like I said, until about six months later. And then uh, it even was more than that, a triple bonus, because... Denise uh, would call Suzanne when we were going to the games, and Suzanne and her would go into town and go shopping and eat lunch or whatever, and they were having a good time together, and she needed it as much as I did. So I'm appreciative uh, to them, but the way the Lord worked through them in our lives. And so sometimes we have to really uh, pay attention because we can miss the blessings that come our way. I almost missed that one, and I think, I think I told Bill about it later on. But uh, in First uh, Peter, and I better open my book because I'm going to try to say something and not quote it or whatever. But anyway, just quickly to move through, I, I started reading First Peter, and during all this time I was reading through First Peter, and for some reason I... I Usually when I'm on a thing, a schedule to read through a book, I'm not going to get off that. But the Lord let me go back and, and, and look through and read Colossians. And I'd read Colossians and First Peter, and I'd read Second Peter and Colossians and First and Second Peter, and back and forth for a few months. Some of the younger people would have it memorized, but at my age, I don't memorize too good, as you've already seen. 
but uh, I, I, I'm very diverse, dear friends, I urge you to live as aliens and strangers in this world. And I thought about what Paul wrote in Colossians where he said, set your hearts on, on things above and where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. And I began to do that. Uh, I began to pray about it and begin to get wrapped in God's Word. You're going to think of the next thing, and, and I'll be wrapping up before long with some of this. But, but he started working on me by reading through his Word and praying through this, and I wasn't focused on Jack as much. I was getting back more focused on his Word. I didn't even realize I was in a state of depression until I was coming out of it. And like I said, I kept a lot of it to myself or group, uh, it's hard for me to open up, and, and it, I don't, I'm not talking about opening up and airing our dirty laundry week after week after week, and who wants to hear the same stuff every week? And I'm talking about two years. You know, it was, it was uh, July uh, 16th in 2010 on a Friday morning that I had my surgery. And I still can't eat a lot of things I used to. I used to be able to eat anything and everything. And now I'm trying to find things that don't bother me. In fact, I had a bad uh, evening, Friday evening, and yesterday some because of, I don't know what it was I ate that bothered me. Things bothered me that never used to bother me. And uh, that's just the way it is. But uh, in this living in strangers and aliens in the world I just already talked about. And then he goes on to say, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he comes to visit you. I mean, I can't do that justice. That's probably more than one sermon right there to break that down. But if we're going to live that way, if we're going to live pagans, that's the non-Christians. That's the worldly. That's the nice worldly person beside you, and it's the guy that's or girl, or whoever that's a thorn in the side. It's the person down the hall at Campbell, or in school, or wherever, that always trying to make you look bad. Or at work, trying to get ahead for a promotion, so they say things that aren't true about you. And we're to live such good lives among them, that even if they accuse us of doing wrong, they'll see our good deeds. And glorify God, and the day comes to visit us. Now, why am I sharing this? What does this have to do with me, or my burden? It had a lot to do with it because my burdens were being lightened. And I was thinking about God's Word and thinking about Christians. Last week, where Brad was sharing, if we live in the Spirit, let us uh, walk in the Spirit. Uh, he, he, he talked about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, 12, it says, and I, and I quote from the, NIV, okay, and maybe I'm missing a couple of words, but I'm telling you what it is. I'm not putting it out of context, but it says, therefore, it's God's chosen people. Well, Brad said that up here today. I said it when I first came up. It's God's chosen people. That's us. They're writing these, what I'm talking about in Peter and in Colossians. All of this is being written to Christians. Why do they need to tell us that? Christian people. Anyway, in Colossians, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord God forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
There's that word again, isn't it? Love, an unconditional love. If we can't do it in the body of Christ with believers within this community and within this church, we aren't going to do it among the pagans. My goodness, there's been churches that have split. I've known about them because of the color of the carpet. People have left churches because they didn't put the kitchen the way they wanted it in the new fellowship hall. Oh, my goodness. My, my. And we're Christian people. No wonder they wrote this to us. You know, we need to think about it. We need to challenge each other. How am I really doing? You know, do I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and all my strength, and my neighbor as myself? No wonder Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. If we don't do that, we can't do this other stuff. We can't. And, I'm ta- and I know God's still working on us, and we haven't arrived yet. But we're to, we're to love the Lord. You know, there's times I'm being open now, and it's probably something I shouldn't do up here. And it's hard for a pastor or any elder, I'm sure, or, or deacon. But you know what? There's times I say, I want to love the Lord more. I want to appreciate what Jesus did for me more. And sometimes I don't feel like I appreciate it as much as I should. You ever get those feelings? Sometimes I have doubts about certain things. You know? I think about these things lately, and I've been praying about them greatly because for whatever reason, the Lord's been putting them on my, on my heart and mind. And we need to be serious about that. If we love the Lord, that God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, number one in our lives, we wouldn't be thinking about two services. We'd be thinking about three our budget would be overflowing. People that see us eating breakfast out or see us in the stores or other places would say, begin to come up to us and say, you know what? You must belong to that group down by the school that goes to Grace Community Church because those people are really different. Isn't that what we want to be? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? I don't know. I'm rambling on here, but I'm just saying these are things the Lord has laid upon my heart. Uh, yes, I did go through a difficult time. My legs are never going to be 100%. And I uh, don't like that, but I, can, I go walking every day like I'm supposed to. I uh, do it for both my heart and my legs. Uh, I'm, I'm just going crazy over this eating stuff. I just, I just don't know to this day, and it's two years later, what I can and can't eat and what will bother me and won't bother me. And I know there's people in this church that have gone through and are going through a lot rougher times than I have. I almost picked up the phone one day, and I was going to call Elise, honest, and I put. I says, I'm not going to bother with my stuff. She's dealing with more than I ever could dream of. Or Jim Boyd came to mind and some others. I say, how do they do it? How do they deal with this stuff? But you know what? It's fellowship, and it's our group has helped me. Tremendously, and they pray, and I know they've been praying for me, and that has a lot to do with what I've said here today. I believe in prayer and God's word and and what it says, and and I wouldn't want to diminish that at all. But it also, I realize that you know, it's coming alongside somebody like Bill did me, and I don't think he did it because I was sick. It's just the way the Lord worked, and it's just something happened, and we both like sports. But you know what? It's not always getting with somebody and praying and quoting verses. Sometimes it's just being there, being a friend or going for a walk with that person or just listening. 
or maybe going to a movie or a game or whatever. That's how we help carry each other's burdens too. It sure was a big help to me because I didn't think about my problems as much. So I appreciate this time. I thank you and uh, hopefully uh, shared some things that will be good for all of us. And, and indeed, uh, Jack, that is good for all of us. I'm always, whenever I meet with Jack, I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed at the scripture that he quotes and, the, and his knowledge of not only the Word, but the God of the Word. And I appreciate that so much. I, I want to say, uh, there's so many things I could, and I, I've got to quit. You've rambled on. I mean, you've gone a little... Uh, uh, no, every every bit of it was wonderful. I I, I just would want to say that I, I'm going to guess that Elise would have loved to have had you called and say, how can I... How can... And, and, and can you help me with this? Because how, how do you deal with this? The people oftentimes that we're helping have a lot to offer us. You know, if Elise is stretched out on this sofa and we're carrying it, she's got a lot to say to us and we need to hear it. So, well, there are a, a thousand things I could say. I thought about, as Jack was quoting from First Peter, about how we're this royal priesthood and, th- and then also to live as aliens, though. There are people that you would never feel like you had anything in common with. But if you were in a, a country that's hostile to Americans and the, you, the, there were the two of you, you found each other, you know what, I'm, I'm, there's going to be a bond there. And that's who we are. And in fact, as we come to this table right now, this is, that's representing our oneness in Christ. The Corinthians were rebuked because they, they were treating each other uh, badly. And and those who had were saying we're more spiritual than you, and that's and God has proven that because He's blessed us. We have so much, and so we can't allow you to have any of our food at this love feast, or else we would be sinning against God. And God not only put some of them in the sick bed, He killed some of them. I don't like to think about that in this day of grace, but it's just as clear as it can be in First Corinthians eleven. We need each other. We are designed to be a body, an entire body of Christ. And not only do we, do we remember and mourn the death of Jesus because of our sins, but we celebrate the forgiveness that's in Him and we celebrate this body of Christ. So if the elders would please come and we will begin our time at the Lord's table.